eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Monday, June the 7th, 2021. I know, I know. We were just with you on Sunday evening. Tim White, psych publisher, joining me, Travis Ryer, to give you the lowdown on Alabama's 7th commitment for the 2022 Recruiting cycle and running back Le'Veon Moss from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, of all places. But we're back today because, well, even though it's June, Charlie Potter, and this used to be, it seemed like anyway, a slow news period in a lot of years. Not so much this time around, and we get things going with word on late Monday morning that Nick Saban contract extended through the twenty. 28th season, that one big sort of collective sigh, Charlie, I think is the rest of the fan bases around college football after getting that news. Yeah, I mean, I think Alabama fans are super happy to hear that. I don't know if the rest of the coaches around the SEC or elsewhere super thrilled. Um, I know he had the the hip surgery a couple years ago, but that's really been the only thing of or any sign of deterioration for Nick Saban. Um, from a mindset standpoint, you know, he talked about it, you know, this off season, how he looks at, um, you know, each year's a, a new team, it's a new challenge. And, you know, this is something he loves to do. I think we really saw, uh, how much that, or how true that is when he had to miss, um, you know, last year's game with, uh, with COVID-19, he didn't get the coach in the game. He wasn't at the stadium. You could tell, you know, that, that didn't sit well with him. And, and he's a, just a, perfectionist a hard worker a tireless worker and to see that he's going to be around through february 28th of, of 2029 at the least which i mean you know it almost seems like these contract extensions are an every year occurrence at least every other year you know for now he's going to coach until he's 77 years old and really the big thing that stuck out to me in the the press release and it's not that surprising uh, to be honest but you know, the quote from nick saban the the first sentence says terry and i are pleased and happy to sign another contract extension that will keep us in tuscaloosa through the end of our career so uh that's kind of really the first time you hear something like that um again though i mean this is a, a long extension that's you know, seven more years um you know that'll get him through the 2028 football season it'll get him through plenty of these up and coming uh, home and home series with power five teams so he's going to be around for a while wouldn't surprise me if he got another one but at the very least i mean Nick Saban's going to coach at Alabama for 22 seasons. And I think Alabama fans, had they had heard this news back in 2007, they would have taken that twice over. Absolutely. And you hit on some of it, the key verbiage in that release through at least 
February of 2029, and Nick himself commenting on finishing his career. Not one to give definitives in terms of, well, we're coaching through 2028, because Nick ain't going to give any room for these hate-ass rival recruiters, Charlie, (laughs) to get their foot in the door, is he? No, and I mean, to be honest, like, I I mean, you know me, and when we're sitting in those Zoom calls or sitting in this these press conferences or now you know, we're back to in-person interviews and some of these, you know, scrums and golf tournaments, you know, the, the retirement question gets really old just for me to hear. I know he has to be tired of it. I roll my eyes when I hear it now because it's, it seems like it just gets brought up so much and it has to be something that's used on the recruiting trail where, you know, opposing head coaches are throwing that out there. Well, you don't know how long, you know, Nick Saban is going to be around retirements, in the future, it's on the horizon. They don't really have that to, to back them up anymore because, I mean, seven years, those recruits don't care. They'll be in the NFL or moving on to whatever whatever's next by then. So, you know, they know they can be coached by Nick Saban. So, yeah, I mean, the sigh of relief, like we talked about a minute ago from the Alabama fans, I don't think they had really anything to worry about. Um, but I, I think there is some some angst, some some probably minor temper tantrums in some recruiting rooms across the country because you know Nick Saban's shown no signs of slowing down, and he's going to be in Tuscaloosa for a while still. I'm going to put the over under for contract extensions that Nick Saban will get beyond this one. <laughs> Moving ahead, Charlie, at one and a half. Would you go over or under the one and a half for additional contract extensions down the road for Nick Saban in Alabama? It, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe one more and it just be lifetime contract. Like they just yeah. say, screw the date. You know, you're here as long as you want to be like, yes, you honor what you already have. And that's through the 2028 season. But dude, if you want to coach until you're 85, coach until you're 85. <laughs> like that. And, and you know what? That may already be the case. This yeah. may just be on paper you know I, i'm sure that's the unwritten unspoken understanding as long as this guy wants to coach at alabama he's gonna be the damn head coach charlie right yeah i just think that, that wouldn't surprise me to to make it a formality just he, he has a lifetime contract to put it out there you know you there's not just a ton of financial uh information in this one uh, i'm sure there'll be some kind of uh, board of trustees call uh, here in a few weeks or later in the summer to you know confirm the hire i don't think there'll be anybody uh, against that I, i'd be floored if that were the case but you know I, I to me when just looking at the contract and trying to maybe guess when nick saban would be done i always looked at the with what they've done from a scheduling standpoint i always thought the west virginia series might yeah, be kind of the, the signal of the end just because that's a that's a homecoming situation for him Some he goes nostalgia to west, yeah yeah you go to west virginia in that 2026 season and then they come back to tuscaloosa in 2027 i'm sure you'd have lots of family and friends coming to bryant denny stadium and the like for the weekend but um yeah i mean now i mean 2028 that that's not a shock that gets to the ohio state home game and the road trip to Notre Dame that's a hell of a season if that's where he goes out that's a it's a way to do it with two you know premier programs and opponents but when it comes to those contract extensions I just think if we see another one it wouldn't shock me to see Greg Byrne just say lifetime contract that so maybe I would go under just at one um because you know 77 the way the, the wording of this one um is a little different so I would probably go under but just at one and to where they'd be like he, he's got the job as long as he wants the damn job. Wow, we got to connect some dots now that you threw Ohio State and Notre Dame out there. 
first of all, Nick Saban, former grad assistant, I believe, at Ohio State, assistant coach at Ohio State, and he's Catholic. So you know he wants <laughs> to uh, make that Notre Dame trip. So there you go, Charlie. We're figuring out ways to keep Nick Saban into the geez, into the 2030s. Is that what we're doing here on the podcast today? Sounds well, like it. Yeah, that the road trip to Notre Dame and the home game against Ohio State is that 2028 season. Um, the Notre Dame, the return game for that is 2029, and then right now at least 2030 is just Georgia Tech in the same season uh, or the next season the same. That'll be a home game against Georgia Tech. So it trails off a little bit before it picks back up in 2032 with a home and home starting against Oklahoma. But yeah, I mean that that 2028 season, you just look at it with Notre Dame and Ohio State on the schedule. That's a that's a doozy, and that would be a hell of a way to go out, especially if you can run the gamut, get back to a college football playoff, and potentially win what will be God knows how many national championships at that point. Oof. Gosh, guy might get upwards of 10 double digits maybe at some point for his career anyway. If you include LSU in that one, I mean, what's three more at this point? Seems <laughs> uh, seems doable from from where I sit. Hey, Charlie, before we head to a break, and again, we wanted to present the, the Nick Saban news on Monday, first and foremost, obviously, but Alabama baseball saw its season end on Sunday in Ruston, Louisiana, all things considered, Charlie, and we kind of talked about this even going into that uh, regional play uh, following Alabama's selection there to, to be a, an, an at-large birth recipient. Uh Brad Bohannon's team checked the boxes this year entirely, and, and really not just with the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, but and it came in a loser's bracket game against four-seeded Ryder, but was was that important for them to get a win there while they were in Ruston? I think so, and um, you know, given everything that's happened to the team from an injury standpoint, losing Connor Prelip and Antoine Jean uh, for as long as they did, um, to, to go to Hoover and win a couple games, to make a regional, and then to, to win a game, I think fans are, are pretty happy. Um, and I think Brad Bohannon has this team trending in the right direction. We've seen what he can do from a recruiting standpoint and getting guys like Prelip and Owen Diodotti and all these guys on the roster. Uh, but you, know, you, you can't control injuries, and for them to overcome that and to be able to do what they did at the SEC tournament, still make a regional, even though I know some people didn't agree with that, uh, from a uh, analyst standpoint, but they they made it and they they won a game. Um, I think it says a lot. You know, it's it shows progress. That was one of the big takeaways from Brad Bohannon's availability previewing uh, the NCAA tournament. Is just the the progress this team has shown over the course of his career. And you know, it's it's last year you don't know what would have happened because the season was cut short. I mean, Alabama was on a tear. You know, they only lost what one game before the start of SEC play and they could have probably been in the same situation this year. So, um, I think the, the telltale sign for me is given all the injuries to hear, uh, Greg Byrne, the director of athletics go out and of his way and say that, you know, making it to Hoover, uh, was kind of the benchmark given everything that's happened. Well, they got to Hoover, they won a couple games, they made a regional and you know, they went one and two, but you know, with everything that's happened, I, I think it's a, it's a pretty successful season, all things considered. Looks like a promising outlook for this program. I guess if there's something that dampers that, puts a damper on that anyway, is you sort of expected to have prelip is a building block continuing in to the 2022 season, and now you're not going to have that, it appears, in prelip. 
And so pitching such a premium at every level of baseball, you see it right now in major league baseball, let alone college baseball. So I guess how Alabama goes about establishing the top of that rotation for 2022 and uh, continuing to build on a lineup, got some guys that really, if we're being honest, need some bounce back type of years and next spring as well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think they got some some good play, maybe better than expected play from guys like Tyler Ross and, and Dylan Smith on the mound. I mean, Dylan Smith, if he could have got some run support, uh, his yeah. record would have been uh, a lot different. But yeah, I mean, you look at some guys like T.J. Reeves had a disappointing season. Um, you know, I, I think they all around. You had some some young guys step up. Um, you had some some older guys again battling injuries. You know, Drew Williamson had some an issue down the the stretch that kept him off the diamond a little bit. So I think it's a you know there's reason for optimism going into 2022. Uh, you have to see what happens with the draft in terms of you know guys going out, the prospects. You know baseball is so different than than any other sport from that perspective. Just the guys that are committed, if you can keep them and get them on campus is an accomplishment because Bad Bone Hannon, like I said, has done a, a fabulous job in recruiting. So it'll be fascinating to see how this roster looks throughout the offseason and if guys can continue to, to develop. And you know, they're going to have to be more consistent from a hitting standpoint, uh, just managing these game threads. <laughs> I know people are frustrated with that aspect. Mm-hmm. of it but um yeah I, I think there's there's reason for optimism going into 2022 if this coaching staff can continue on that trajectory i think they'll be all right we're gonna step aside here on the bama online podcast and on the heels of our defensive player draft for the 2021 alabama football team our last time that we had charlie here on the pod we are going to turn to the offensive side of the ball when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, you name it, Megaphone. You're going to be able to find us anywhere you consume podcasts. Bama Online Podcast, subscribe today. If you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. So, Charlie, let's do it. Had a lot of fun, got a lot of good feedback on the defensive player draft that we did a week ago. So let's get into the offensive side of the ball, Charlie. And if my recollection is correct, Charlie, you got the first pick on defense. So I think I get first dibs on the offensive side of the ball. So are you surprised? I don't Which, I don't remember you don't that. remember that. Okay. Uh, I, I, I will have to go to the tape. This we'll is news to go to the, yes, yes, we do have replay review here on the <laughs> Bama Online Podcast, as we've seen throughout sports now. We've incorporated that into the pod. Uh, yeah, I'm just checking here. Yes, yes, I do have the first pick. Um, and with that first selection, I know it's going to come as an earth-shattering surprise to you. I'm going – actually, there's a couple ways I considered, believe it or not. But 
I got to go quarterback. Mm-hmm. I got to go Bryce Young, and not just because the expectation is that Bryce Young uh, as a first-year starter is is going to do some really good things behind center, but if we're being frank, maybe the drop-off at the position right now from, say, Bryce Young to Paul Tyson and or Jalen Milrow uh, looks like it's pretty wide there. This isn't a couple of years ago when you had Tua and you had Jalen and you had Mac Jones. Uh, you might be able to play around at quarterback a little bit, but I'm going Bryce Young here, Charlie. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not happy yes, about it. Uh, yes. <laughs> with that said, just thinking like I did last time, from an NFL draft perspective, uh, you look at just this past draft and the guys that were taking that weren't quarterbacks, they were pass catchers. And for Alabama, I, I still think that the wide receiver position is the biggest question mark. Uh, you know, this spring, uh, it's, it's tough to find Nick Saban f- saying anything really positive about the group. And that's because John Mechie wasn't on the field. I think he's head and shoulders the number one option there at the position. I think he's going to be Bryce Young's top target uh, after a promising sophomore year. So I'm going to go with John Mechie as my number one pick and take the, the team's top pass catcher off the board. Yeah, it's not it's not easy to argue with that. And I think my guy that I'm going with second is you know, potentially a first round pick in his own right. When you look ahead to the 2022 NFL draft, and you're going to let me take a left tackle. Mm. I'm probably going to do that every time, Charlie. So I've got my quarterback now. I've got my left tackle, but I get where you're coming from, too, because just like my sort of logic in going Bryce Young easily at number one, uh, I see it at wide receiver, too, because you said it, John Mechie and everybody else. So uh, when you got a, a guy that's clearly at the top of that spot, uh, makes perfect sense to go there, but give us your second pick now, Charlie. Yeah. My top three players are off the board. Um, same here. Yeah. So that's, that's frustrating. I knew a different, a, a bunch of different ways here. Um, but I think that with you taking Bryce young, me loading up on his top weapons would be ideal. This might be a little unconventional. Um, I'm kind of mixing up my board right now as we speak, but I'm going to go with Jaleel Billingsley at number two. That was uh, my fourth guy. Yeah, so, I had him up there. I know I need offensive linemen, but to have who I think would be the top two uh, pass catchers in this offense this fall, I'll, I'll take that, especially to help out a, a less experienced quarterback. I'm a line of scrimmage guy. I love the line of scrimmage. So with you taking Billingsley, who I did have on my – we do have big boards, by the way. And uh, Jalil was number four for me. So we've been in lockstep so far through these first two rounds. But in the third round, I'm going to take the veteran interior offensive lineman, Emil Echior. Didn't see him in the spring. What I like about Emil, too, is that I can have some versatility with him. Yes, he started every game at right guard last season, but... If I need to or I want to, I can play him at center, right? Yeah, I mean, he has position versatility. He was actually my number four player. I had Billingsley at five, but I went a different uh, route in terms of that. But I think Ekior, you know, he, he missed the spring. Alabama had some solid play from the, his guys that stepped in and replaced him and Deontay Brown, which were 
uh, Javion Cohen and, and Tommy Brown, but Ekior is clearly going to be in the lineup when he's healthy. I thought he had a really good season last year. I think he's only going to get better as he stays in the program. I think Doug Marone will be big for his development too. So I like the pick there, and I'm going to have to take offensive lineman now with my third pick, and I'll go with the, the next most experienced guy and really one of the most experienced players on the team given he was a starter a few years ago. You know, Last year he was uh, a guy that was really the sixth offensive lineman, stepped in for uh, Evan Neal at Arkansas and he finished out the season at center for Landon Dickerson when he went out with that knee injury. I think Chris Owens is a guy. Um, he's going to be a valuable leader. I think he's going to be a consistent contributor there at the center position. He also has position flexibility. I can move him around if I wanted to. So I'm going to go with Chris Owens with my third pick and, and finally take an offensive lineman off the board. Yeah, you said it. Another guy that you can play at some different spots, intangibly a guy you expect to be a real central voice uh, personnel-wise, player-wise for this 2021 team. I've got no choice at this point. I've gone quarterback. I've gone line of scrimmage. Got to go skill of some sort here with my fourth pick. And so kind of sight unseen, I'm going Jamison Williams, the transfer from Ohio State. I need some speed on the outside for Bryce Young to put to use. So I'm taking, I guess, a little bit of a flyer on Jamison Williams. I don't have him next up on my board. I have him down actually another three or four picks, but with the way this thing is sort of unfolding, I think this is the point where I need to take the the wide receiver transfer from Ohio State. No, I had him pretty high just because I think Alabama's not bringing him in for no reason. Um, you know, Nick Saban talked about in the spring that speed kills on the highway and on the football field, and Jamison Williams certainly brings that. I think he's a guy that it wouldn't shock me to see him be in that starting lineup uh, game one against Miami. Mechie will obviously be there. I think Slade Bolden has a, a strong chance to be there in the slot. And then you put Williams on the opposite side as a guy that can fly down the field. I, I think he can be a big part of this offense. So I like that pick. Um, for me, looking at it, I've taken receiver tight end and an offensive lineman um you know there's some offensive linemen still out there i think there's a little bit of depth there so i feel decent about it but i'm i'm gonna go and you know it's, sometimes it doesn't happen in the first round sometimes it does I'm, I'm gonna take the first running back off the board and go with brian robinson with my fourth pick yeah that's a solid pick i like the experience that you've got um with your team to this point too especially your your last couple of picks uh, with Chris Owens and Brian Robinson, a couple of guys very highly respected in the program, both by teammates and coaches. So uh, I don't think you can go wrong. I had Brian Robinson number six on my board. So that seems like a good spot for the veteran, the super senior from Hillcrest High School uh, with my fifth pick. And we're picking 11 players each in our offensive player draft, by the way. Um, wow. I'm a little bit tied up here, but I'm going back to the bigs. Uh, and I'm going to go maybe in a little bit of a surprise. I'm going to go Damian George here. Uh, I feel like if I need to play him at guard, I can play him at guard. If I need to play him at right tackle, I can play him there. What I'm counting on Charlie is a productive summer for Damian George, a continuation of what we saw from him as a true freshman and Quality time spent with David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray, getting him more into a position where he has that functional mobility and maybe as important as anything else, the stamina to play 75, 80 snaps. So I'm going to go Damian George here with my fifth pick and uh, anxious to hear who your next selection is. You had me nervous when you were 
uh, leading that up because I, I had a guy that I wanted to take a flyer on because I think he's a, a guy when he gets to his junior year could be in the mix for a first round pick. He's a true freshman. Um, I think he could eventually win that that job at right tackle this season. And uh, he's the, the highest rated player of Alabama's highest rated class of all time. So with me, I'm going to shore up my offensive tackle for the future and take J.C. Latham with my mm-hmm. fifth pick. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him get some work with the top of the depth chart in the spring and showed some good things in the 8A game. Uh, always bet on upside, right? Especially when there's not a lot of certainty. There's still going to be competition going through the summer and into fall camp. J.C. Latham still very much in that mix uh, at right tackle. So uh, can't go wrong, I don't think, with that guy uh, in J.C. Latham. With my sixth pick overall, I got to go running back at some point, right? And I have I have Jace McClellan in that same neighborhood as Brian Robinson. And so I'm going to go with the second year back from the state of Texas. Give me Jace McClellan there with my sixth pick in the offensive player draft. No, I, I like that pick. Um, I was going to wait a little bit to take a running back. And if you took Brian Robinson, uh, I was going to be happy with Jace McClellan. You know, I know he's, he's worked hard this off season. I talked to, to Brad Lester, the former Auburn running back who Jace has worked with. And uh, I think he has potential to be a special player. You know, now uh, we haven't talked about it. I think we were saving it probably for this moment, but Alabama's had a couple of running backs enter the transfer portal in the last week or so. And Keelan Robinson and, Kyle Edwards. And so even though the position has taken some hits with those guys transferring with Najee Harris, you know, being a first round pick to the Steelers, I still think the running back position can be a real strength of this team. If Trey Sanders is healthy, you know, if Kamar Wheaton is as advertised, you have Brian Robinson, Chase McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, Trey Sanders, Kamar Wheaton. That's a, that's a strong group. They can probably stand up against any other room in the country. So, uh, and, I, and I think Jace McClellan has the potential to be a future number one. And so I, I like that pick a lot. I was gonna I was gonna ask you real quick, do you take the recent departures of a couple of running backs as a sign that it could be good news about Trey Sanders and his recovery? Or do you think it's as much about, well, here comes Kamar Wheaton and you still got Brian Robinson, McClellan, Roy Dell Williams? How did that strike you maybe in relation to where Trey Sanders is at and trying to get back again? That was the first thing that came to mind for me. Um, now, I will admit with a guy like Kyle Edwards, he didn't play last year. And to see him enter the portal wasn't that big of a surprise. Maybe it was for Keelan Robinson just because you know he opted out last year. He mm-hmm. went through spring practice. He got to work all over the field. I think he could have been a guy that was a, an option in the return game. But I think that's what it said to me is that Trey Sanders is, is coming along nicely. That's what we heard in the spring. Nick Saban said that um, you know, his rehab was going well, and you know, we we saw him even before the the A day game out on the field warming up. He looked fine. Now that's not you know to say that he can go out there and play in the game right now, but uh, I think that is a is a good signal. And then it also you know it says a lot about the depth and, and maybe the potential they see in a guy like Kamar Wheaton. So I think the running back position is still in good hands, even though you have three scholarship guys leaving this off season. But again, I mean, with your pick of Jace McClellan, I think he could be you know, the future number one of that position and even as early as this season. So no arguments there for me with my sixth pick. Uh, again, I think the wide receiver position is one that still has some question marks. And I think this is a guy that 
you know, we were waiting to see you do some things last season. Now, you know, you had a Heisman Trophy winner uh, on the field. Obviously, you had John Mechie step into a bigger role. And there for a while, you had uh, Jalen Waddell, um, who everyone knows what he can do. But I think I'm going to go with, with Javon Baker and hope that in his second season, he can take that next step. Um, you know, he had a tough assignment in the spring game. Jalen Armour Davis played really well against him. Uh, but I think that he's a guy that could still be uh, someone that gets some first team reps as a big time contributor at the position. So uh, there's a couple of guys I thought about taking at the receiver spot, but I'm going to go with Javon Baker and his potential. I'm going to go with a potential receiver, at least a guy who has yet to record a reception in his Alabama career, but there was certainly a lot of buzz about Cameron Latou in spring, and he validated some of that for a pretty big crowd at the A-Day game with the 59-yard touchdown reception. I need a tight end to go into this mix, and so I'm going to go Cam Latou in large part because when I look at some of these other positions that I still likely need to address here in the next four or five picks— I don't know if there's as much a drop-off between some of those guys at some of those spots as there is, say, Cameron Latou potentially as a second tight end to Jalil Billingsley and maybe Alabama's third tight end. So I think in terms of value, I can I can get that with Cam Latou at this spot, seventh in my draft. And I need to hear your number seven now, Charlie. I like Latou. Um, yeah, I thought about you know, doing some things we did the defensive draft and, and just taking him and having two receivers and two tight ends. But yeah. uh, I didn't do you dirty this time. So I think I'm going to go. We talked about position versatility on the offensive line. And this is a guy that can play tackle. I think he can play guard. He can play tight end. Um, I think if they played a game right now, he would be the starting right tackle. And I'm going to go with Kendall Randolph just because I can move him around and, and do a bunch of things. And I kind of like the, the versatility that my, my offensive linemen have at this point. Absolutely. And another respected veteran, right? When you talk about the intangibles and you know what this guy has done for the program already, uh, Kendall Randolph is is very much that guy. I guess at this point, at number eight, I'm going to go back to the wide receiver position, although I'm going to tell you, I'm not all that overwhelmed by it, but go ahead and give me Slade Bolden as my second receiver to go along with Jamison Williams. I think Williams is more of a true X, whereas I can play Slade in the slot and three wides. I can play him at sort of a flanker Z position. Uh, he is a veteran as well. I like that. He'll bring some leadership to my 11. So give me Slade Bolden there in the eighth round. Yeah, I like that. I, I was wondering, you know, if you would go a different direction, I would pick up Slade and be, be happy with it because he has some, some versatility. You know, you could do some things out of a wildcat with him. He obviously has some, some potential in the return game, but I'll go with someone where I, I think the, I've been a little different when it comes to a Jai Hall. Because I think he had a really, really good spring game. I do think that you know a lot of the talk is about what he did. I do think Paul Tyson did deliver some nice balls to him, but he didn't have a consistent spring. None of the wide receivers really did, and so I'm I'm tempering expectations. I'm doing what Nick Saban wants me to do uh, at this point when it comes to these young players. But I, I think Ajay Hall still has a bright future. I think he can contribute this fall and uh, you know be a big part of this offense. So yeah, I'll, I'll shore up my receiving core with. Jai Hall to pair with John Mechie and Javon Baker. I'll take that. Yeah, that was the guy I was targeting next because I like that I can have Bolden 
you know, and he can do some things inside and, uh, you know, he's going to give me some Julian Edelman, I guess, in, in this offense with Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, but Hall showed you in the 8A game, just give him a chance in one-on-one situations and he'll go up and make plays for you. I'm going to do this next pick based more upon what seems to be a familiarity between Bryce Young and Treshawn Holden. Just looking at the 8A game, you look at the number of targets that Treshawn Holden had in that scrimmage. Bryce Young obviously comfortable going his way. Not sure I'm getting enough playmaking ability now that I'm pairing Bolden with Holden. How about that? Bolden and Holden. Sounds like a law firm or something. But I, I do have Jamison Williams to give me some vertical ability. Uh, but I'm going to go Treshawn Holden there as uh, another wide receiver pick. I've, I've got three wide receivers and a tight end uh, and a back and a quarterback I feel pretty good about. So I feel like I've solided up that enough. Again, though, as we've talked about, there is still plenty of opportunity. I, I was tempted to go JoJo Earl at that spot. And I haven't seen him yet, but, and I haven't seen Christian Leary and, um, hadn't seen Ja'Cory Brooks. So, you know, there are still a number of guys on the board that I think you could interchange with some of these receivers at this point. Yeah. I wrote down, uh, Jojo as a guy, uh, you know, depending on how this, this shook out that I'd be happy to take just because again, we haven't seen Ja'Cory Brooks. We haven't seen Christian Leary because they were out of the eight day game. At least we haven't seen him with our own eyes, but I think Jojo Earl can be a special talent. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that was at least worth mentioning, but for me, I've got all my receivers. I've got a running back and a tight end and I've got three offensive linemen. Um, I think I'm going to go back to the offensive line, uh, and, it's really a toss-up at this point. Uh, I wrote about him this morning in my top 25 most important players for 2021. Um, I think the guard spot opposite of Emil Ekior, uh, it will be fascinating to see how it plays out. Same goes for right tackle. But the guys in the spring, uh, Tommy Brown and Javion Cohen, played really well. And uh, I think with, with Cohen, the fact that he dealt with a bone bruise or a bone spur, I'm sorry, uh, the final week of the spring and still played in the 8A game and started the game it says a lot about him. It says a lot about what they see in him. And uh, you know, he's added some good weight. I know somebody commented on the, the story I, I posted because I think he came in well under 200 pounds or 300 pounds. And now he's listed at 325. So he's he's added weight. He spent time in the uh, the weight program. You know, he was a true freshman that saw the most steps last year. So I'm going to go with JV and Cohen as my other guard and uh, feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, I like the versatility there. I mean, we talk about it so many times on this podcast. And, you know, on the website, we pointed out plenty, the cross-training of tackle and guard. And, you know, Tommy Brown's another one of those guys that we've seen in the past at the the tackle position and then move inside primarily in the last year uh, to to one of the guard spots. So, yeah, I like Cohen there, uh, no doubt about it. It's interesting, too, Charlie, because we talk about a couple of the offensive line classes, uh, 2019, 2021, as offensive line classes for all time. You look at that 2020 group, and it's small in numbers, but there's the potential for Damian George and J.B. on Cohen to be starters as early as this season You know, from that class. So there wasn't as much hype about that small group uh but they have a very really very real chance here in the near future to make a big impact i think jb on cohen is uh likely to do that for sure so here we are 
nearing the bottom of the 11 picks, and I'm on number 10 as we get into the 10th round here. And it gets a little tougher. I guess I guess I'm going to go back to the offensive line here. And I am going to take a little bit of a flyer. I'm going to go Darian Dalcourt as uh, a guy that I think can be a top seven guy in the rotation and primarily as a center. I think if something were to happen at guard, maybe even tackle, and you felt like, you know what, we can move Chris Owens to one of those spots and feel comfortable at this point with plugging in Darian Dalcourt at the center position. Uh, you can do that, but uh, I feel a little bit of, I don't know, security. We haven't seen a lot of him uh, in game action. We didn't see him at all in the 8A game, but uh, a little bit of a flyer here with Darian Dahlcourt. No, I mean, I think he's clearly the, the number two center, and if uh, Chris Owens didn't come back for his sixth season, I think he would be the starter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with Chris Owens off the board, I, I think that's a, a wise pick there. For me, I'm, I'm going to short my offensive line. And I, I went back and forth here with the Tommies because I think Tommy Brockermeyer is an interesting player. We saw him kind of rise to the second group and work behind Evan Neal. Uh, but with who I have, I have Latham, Javion Cohen, uh, Chris Owens, and Kendall Randolph. I feel good about Randolph at, at tackle because, like I said, I think if Alabama played a game tonight, he would be the starter. So I'm probably going to go with Tommy Brown because he, like Cohen and Chris Owens, has that versatility where I could play all of those guys at right tackle if I wanted to. But then at the same time, they can play the interior spot. So I'm going to go again with the position versatility on the offensive line. I'm going to go with Tommy Brown to, to shore up my line. Yeah. That gives you five starters, doesn't it? On the yep. offensive line, that gives you Chris Owens, J.C. Latham, Kendall Randolph, Javion Cohen, and Tommy Brown. Those are uh, those are all solid picks, no doubt about it. Up front, you can uh, you can get it done with that group. And so we head into our final picks, and I'm sitting here with Evan Neal. I'm sitting here with Damian George. I've got Darian Dahlcourt uh, among my offensive linemen. Who am I missing here? Echior. Uh, Echior. I've got four offensive linemen, which the math tells you (laughs) I'm going to take an offensive lineman, right? No, 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 no. I'm going to include Will Reichert as an offensive player, and I'm taking the perfect kicker from last year. I'm going to give some love to the specialist. So uh, I'm taking Will Reichert, even though he had his – Look, the spring game, it's like going to the driving range. You know, you work on some things. You're messing around a little bit. NBD, I'm taking Will Riker, the perfect kicker from a year ago, as my 11th pick. Charlie, how about that? <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Uh, <laughs> I will say, though, once you took Evan Neal and then Emil Echior, I was not feeling great about my offensive line, but how it shaped out with Latham, Cohen, Owens, Brown, and Randolph, yeah. I feel pretty good about that group. Yeah, pat and, yourself uh, on the back, Charlie. Yeah, I, I was I was sweating it, I'll be honest. As soon as you took Bryce and then Evan Neal, I was like, we just might as well wrap up this damn thing. <laughs> but with my last pick, uh, since you took Bryce first, I was going to pile up on some skill positions and the offensive line. I'm going to take Paul Tyson. Uh, he'll be my quarterback. I think, you know, Clearly, Bryce is the front runner to be the starter. I think that was evident in the spring. Hell, it was evident last year because he was the only other quarterback that saw snaps 
uh, behind Mac Jones. But I think Paul Tyson has improved. I think that you know he's taken steps in the right direction. Um, you know, Nick Saban still talks about when he talks about the quarterback position about how they need to develop uh, players behind Bryce Young, and still that is ongoing with Paul Tyson. Um, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the mobility of a Bryce Young or you know a two or Jalen, but he's a big quarterback. He has a strong arm. I think he made some really impressive throws in the spring game. So yeah, I'll take him with my last pick and, and feel good about him behind that offensive line. And then the weapons that I put around him and Mechie and Ajay Hall, Jaleel Billingsley and, and Javon Baker. Then he has the experience running back with Brian Robinson beside him. I, I feel good about my offense now. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Charlie. That, that, <laughs> that makes me feel better on a Monday. No, I, <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> You know, I took four offensive linemen because I feel like I can play Evan Neal at guard and tackle. You know, I just put him over there on the left side, and I'll just put Cam Latou next to him, roll three wide receivers out there, and away we go with Bryce Young. And uh, Damian George, you could almost do that with. I've got some big dudes, man. Between Neal, Echior, and Damian George, I, I think they can cover four spots between those three, and they could play Darian Dahlcourt at center. And, um yeah. You can still run the rock a little bit with Jace McClellan. But uh, so here are your two top 11s for both of us. I went Bryce Young in the first round. Uh, Charlie goes John Mechie. I go Evan Neal. Charlie goes Jalil Billingsley. I went Emil Echior. Charlie in the third round went Chris Owens. Round four, I go Jamison Williams at wide receiver. Charlie goes Brian Robinson. And in the fifth round, I went Damian George on the offensive line. Charlie with an offensive lineman of his own in the top five selections with J.C. Latham. Round six, I went Jace McClellan. Charlie with Javon Baker at the wide receiver spot. Round seven, I go tight end with Cam Latou. Charlie gets a hybrid player in Kendall Randolph, so he can cover a couple of needs there with the veteran. Round eight, Slade Bolden for me. Charlie goes upside with a Jai Hall at the wide receiver spot. We stay with wide receiver in round nine as I take Treshawn Holden. Charlie goes up front with Javion Cohen. I, too, go to the offensive line in round 10 with Darian Dahlcourt. Charlie sticks with the OL and Tommy Brown. And then our final selections, because specialists are people, too. I go Will Reichert, who was perfect a year ago. Charlie gets his quarterback in Paul Tice. Yeah, I think it's kind of indicative of the offseason where fans of every team feel great about their team because no games have been played. I think we both like our teams, Charlie. We're both undefeated. We, we like these 11. Yeah, I mean, this is fun to do. I, I enjoy the, the drafting aspect of things like fantasy football and, and stuff like this. But going back and forth and you know, having to make decisions on the fly, it, it was fun to do. And, yeah, I, I do like my offense, I will say. As soon as you made your first two picks, I was pissed off. But uh, <laughs> it all worked out in the end. And, you know, I, I think that Paul Tyson can get the job done behind these big fellows and with the weapons around him. Yeah, there you go. couple of fun exercises in the draft process these last couple of podcasts. We hope you've enjoyed them. Charlie, as always, man, thanks for the time. Thanks for everything you do with us at BamaOnline.com. And, Look forward to doing it again real soon. Yeah, man. This was fun, and uh, look forward to the next one. A Charlie Potter executive production. We've given him EP creds again because these were Charlie's ideas. So whatever royalties, Charlie, 
whatever residuals, keep an eye on the mailbox, Charlie. You never know. I'll be uh, I'll be keeping we're, an eye. We're gonna I'll monetize be, this baby. Yeah, I'll be bugging the the mail lady. I'll be asking. Her <laughs> there he goes, Charlie Potter. I'm Travis Ryer. Thanking you once again for joining us on the Bama Online podcast. As always, stay with us at bamaonline.com. As you've seen in recent days, as a prime example. You never know when news is going to break. We're going to have it covered for you from every angle. 60% off, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to BamaOnline.com. You need to catch that deal while you can. It expires soon. 60% off your subscription to BOL. Do it right now. For Charlie, I'm Travis. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.